This message was recorded for Wednesday, November 18th, 2020. Great to be with you once again here in Central Park Neighborhood Church. Amen. And we're looking at the subject of the anointing. We trust that you'll learn some things from what we're teaching and discussing here on the anointing and that it will be a blessing in your life. Uh, this last week we, we looked at basically the spices that were involved in the anointing, four spices and the hint of olive oil. We said that there basically were three different words uh, in the Old Testament concerning defining spice, and one was talked about a smiting and being a powder. The other word was to be a fragrance. In other words, this anointing that we're talking about is, is a fragrant thing that was made by the apothecary. And uh, the last word in the Old Testament, it talks a little bit about having to have a sweet smell, has a nice aroma to it, the anointing does. In the New Testament, there was only one word, and all of those uh, words in the scripture, uh, we find that we're involved with the spices in Jesus' burial around his body. And the, the, the word spice there was aroma, or in the sense of sending off a sm- a fragrant smell. It's a nice scent to it. The uses of the spices we looked at, they were used as gifts. They were valuable as a trade item. They were used in, in the burial, of course, of Jesus' body. We looked at that. And then we also considered that the the anointing, amen, was made up of several spices. And uh, these spices and all of this compound that was put together. These are connected with the different experiences that one has in life. Each experience gives each individual an opportunity to respond uh, with the new nature or the old nature. In other words, uh, growth and perfection, maturing is part of the process in this whole thing. With each trial, an attitude of patience is demanded. We looked at James chapter 1, count it all joy, my brother, when you're enveloped in and you're surrounded and encounter trials of all kinds of sorts of different kinds of things uh you know each one of us has a different trial uh what may be a trial to you may not be a trial to me um, but god knows how and what to bring into my life to bring the process that's needed amen to the development that he wants and you are the same way so in your trial what are you verbalizing are you murmuring and complaining or are you being thankful and uh, receiving that as a blessing from God. Your response determines the aroma or the fragrance that exudes from your life. So we're carrying on here. We found in in uh, uh, the Song of Solomon that the bride, amen, is she is like a garden, and out of her garden flows an aroma of things that are in the garden. Well, same thing with our attitudes. What's flowing forth from our life? All right. Exodus chapter 30. Let's carry on here again. Let's read uh, verses 23 through 25. It says, Take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much of that is 250 shekels of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant cane. Verse 24, 500 shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary shekel, and a hen of olive oil. Verse 25, make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. That's what the NIV says. 
the apothecary or the perfumer, it will be the sacred anointing oil. Now let's just talk about uh, these, these five ingredients here for just a moment. First of all, when you read this portion of scripture, you see this compound, there was definite uh, amounts, definite amounts of spices that were involved in the blending of this whole thing together with the oil. For example, the myrrh, it says 500 shekels, and not only the myrrh was 500 shekels, but the cassia was 500 shekels. And then you'll find the fragrant cinnamon and the fragrant cane or calamus. There was half of that, 250 shekels. So, in other words, in this formula, you get 250, you get twice as much myrrh, and you get twice as much cassia, and we'll look at what those things are. Uh, twice as much of those things as the fragrant cinnamon and the cane. And when we look at this whole thing, um, just to give you an example, you know, we think of, um, well, I really don't know what you think about it, but uh, when you consider this, um, this amount of items that are being compounded together, there's approximately uh, 60 pounds worth of uh, spices and oil that are brought together. So this was no small thing. This was quite a quite an undertaking, and it was quite a process uh, of all of the different uh, spices and things coming together. And of course, the number five, we know that the number five is the number of grace. You know, grace is the ability of God. And when we think about the ability of God is grace and the word gift many times are translated the same thing. It's the same word. So the grace of God, that divine influence upon your heart that uh, extends itself out of your life is, comes in the form of the gifts of God. And when you think about the gifts of God, you're thinking about the abilities of the Spirit of God that are given to each one of us. And uh, those gifts are for amen, us to use, and those gifts are for us to be stewards over and to be fruitful in ministering, not only in the church, but out of the church. So gifts, grace. So we find then with these five items, it ties directly into uh, your gift and your grace and your ministry and the anointing. It takes the anointing. When the anointing is flowing in your life, you're going to find that the ministry amen, that you have, that God has given you, there will be a flow with it. What's interesting to me is people, you know, many times they have a grace of God given to them and they just flow very easily in it. It's very fruitful and it's very it's very fun to watch. And, and uh, then they look at you and say, well, this is easy. Uh, can't you just do this and do the same thing? Well, the, so many times we don't take into consideration that what's really taking place is that the grace of God, amen, is flowing it's a gift from the Holy Spirit, and you may not be strong in that given area that they're ministering in, and so consequently you look at them and say, no, this is, this is not really that easy. This is quite an effort on my part. Well, there you are. It's the grace of God. It's the gift of God that flows in and out of our lives. Amen. That equips each and every one of us, and when there's that fresh anointing that pours forth with the gift of God, there's just an automatic flow of fruitfulness that comes from it. So, when we look at, it's the perfumer now that actually takes these ingredients and mixes them together and then uh, uh, produces from this compound that holy anointing oil. Well, I would like to think that the perfumer 
really is the Holy Spirit himself. He's the one that takes and and blends all of the things that we're going to talk about together and to produce an anointing that comes forth from our life, amen, in this demonstrating the very essence of the Holy Spirit to humanity itself. So the apicary, I think, is the Holy Spirit. He's the one that knows just exactly what you need, how much you need, and he knows how to blend that all together to get the most amen, out of your life. We thank God that he is the one that doesn't put on us too much, but he puts on us and he tests us and he grows us, amen, according to what he knows best. And I'm so thankful for that. What he does for me might be a little different than it is for you. What he tests me in might be a little different than what he tests you in. But nonetheless, he uses all those things in his wisdom and in his divine purpose to develop it in me and in you what he desires to do. All right, let's go back to Exodus chapter 30 again, verses 22 to 25. Then the Lord said to Moses, take the following fine spices. He says, liquid myrrh, number one, fragrant cinnamon, number two, fragrant cane, number three, cassia, number four, and then take a hen of olive oil and blend it together, blend it together. So let's begin now. Let's talk a little bit about this myrrh that we're talking about. Myrrh. Well, what does it mean? It means distilling in drops and also is bitter. So it's a distillation in drops and it's bitter, according to what our Strong's Concordance says to us. It means to trickle. It means to make bitterly, literally or figuratively. So when we think about uh, this spice of myrrh, it had a, 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 a scent that was, you know, amiable. You could smell good, but when you tasted this thing, it had a bitter bite to it. So part of the combination that the Holy Spirit takes is that he takes us into bitter experiences, and those have a definite purpose in this whole compound, in this whole thing of the anointing of God in our life. When we consider more, taking on and considering more about this myrrh, it is a gum which comes from the stem of a low, thorny, ragged tree. So it's a gum. It comes from the stem of a low, thorny, ragged tree. Liquid myrrh, the best myrrh, is said to exude spontaneously from the bark, while that of inferior quality oozes out in greater quantity from incisions made in the bark. So th one part of it is there's a natural process of it, but the other part of it is um, the one who is gathering and collecting the myrrh makes incisions in the, the bark of the tree, and it then you'll find that the, the myrrh would pour out of the tree in a greater quantity. So, you know, really the, the tree, it, it had an intrusion. That's really what it had. And uh, uh, we don't know what the tree experienced because it's a tree but if we take that and we look in our own life and we see there's incisions being made in our life it's a painful experience it's a it's something that that creates pain it's something that is not pleasant but out of that unpleasantness there comes the myrrh there comes that ingredient amen for the anointing comes the ingredient for the anointing Okay, so when they would uh, make 
incisions in the tree or when they would gather the myrrh that would just naturally come forth from the tree. There was a couple of ways that they did that. The first way was that the tree uh, was flogged. What do we mean by that? Well, uh, the person would have long leather straps and he would stand uh, away from the tree and he would swing it like a whip and he would whip the tree. And what would happen? That uh, myrrh, which was sticky, would stick to the straps and then he would take and uh, remove the myrrh from off of the straps. But the tree took a flogging. The tree took a flogging. And so what are we saying about this? In this myrrh process, in this spice process that's part of the anointing, there is flogging. There is a difficulty, incisions that come to the tree itself. And when I think about those things, I think about our personal life. There's times when the Spirit of God seems to be intrusive. There's times when God uh, seems to allow us to go through a difficult flogging process. Uh, and the, the, it is not a, a very easy process. It is something that can be very painful, you know. And, and so we look at that and, and we do not associate pain with God. We don't associate pain with, you know, a loving God. But you know what? The, the loving God, amen, is one who's producing the best for us. And so what he does then in this whole process, there's floggings. There's things that can take place uh, in our life uh, that are negative and seemingly they are hurtful, but they are collecting something that is bitter, something that is part of the anointing. And so we find then that is one of the ways. The other way was they would take a goat and they would send the goat under the tree because the grass was always growing under the tree, you know, a little greener, a little better and out in the open, and the goat would get under there, and he'd be eating and thrashing about, and and what would happen? It would the myrrh would stick to his his uh, beard, and then they would pull the goat out and take the myrrh off of his his beard. You know, I think it would be rather easier just to send the goat into my life, but sometimes having a goat into your life, it's not easy either. <laughs> because the goat, what's he doing? He's always butting and carrying on and and creating a ruckus, and uh, you, know, you know, the goat and the sheep sometimes don't get along. Anyway, anyway, let's go on here. We find then that the, the scent then of the myrrh, it's, it's, it's faint, it's an agreeable smell, and it has a warm, bitter taste, okay? And when we look at these things, uh, how does it, what does it look like when it comes off of that bark? Well, it, it exudes like small tear-like drops, tear-like drops, Boy, that reminds me of tear-like drops. Sometimes in these processes of God, you know, tears. There are tears in some of the dealings of God that we go through. Well, once again, it's identifying with myrrh. I'd just like to take just this moment to, to just express that. We have such a, an outlook many times that pain and suffering is such a negative thing, and it is. But it's all part of the process of God. And in the process of God, I would like to make a statement to you today. And that is, don't waste, don't waste the things that are hard in your life. Don't waste, I'll use this phrase, don't waste the pain that comes along. Because that is there for a definite purpose of God. It accomplishes something in you that only it can accomplish in you. So don't waste it. The other thing is, is don't run from it. Don't try to get out from underneath it. 
Don't say that this is just an ugly thing and I'm just going to get out of here. I'm going to get away from this whole thing. But let the situation work in your spirit and be like uh, James write to us. Count it joyful when you fall and you are enveloped in these different kinds of things because it's it's maturing you. It's bringing you to a per- perfection and it's bringing you to a place where you don't need anything. You You are finding yourself content in God. So don't waste these experiences, uh, amen, but have a positive attitude about these experiences and you'll find that uh, when you look at the scripture and when you look at what we're teaching, uh, you say, yep, this has a purpose in my life and I need to about face and I need to look at it and receive it from the hand of God. When uh, this myrrh was extracted from the wood, it soon hardened. In other words, it came out like a liquid, but it soon hardened and was valued as an article of trade. So, you know, you could uh, just gather it and uh, it wasn't just in a liquid form, but it, it would harden and then you could take it and you could sell it. You could, you could make a living selling this particular item. Also, the taste is bitter. It, you know, it's, it's not a, it smell is one thing and it has a bitter taste. And sometimes, uh, when people make coffee, boy, I, I like the smell of coffee in the morning. It really smells good. It smells excellent. But some people, when they make the coffee, you know, if you put a spoon in it, it would melt the spoon. And it leaves a really, well, it's kind of a, a dark, a very dark, bitter taste. That's why we have these coffee flavors that everyone uses. So it's the same thing here with this, this myrrh that we're talking about. It has a tremendous smell, nice, easy, fragrant, but it has a bitter side to it. Okay, it has a bitter side to it. And so when we look at the taste of it and the substance, it has an astringent and it's acting as an antiseptic and a stimulant. So it has several uh, components to it of itself. You know, and so uh, the myrrh has tremendous, tremendous uh, properties and tremendous uses, uses for our life. You know, the proportions precluded the supposition that the spices were pulverized and mixed with the oil and myrrh in their natural condition, okay? For the result in that case, it would be have been really a rather a thick, gooey mess. But they rather favor the statement of the Arabians that the dry spices were softened in water and boiled to extract their essence, and which was then mixed with oil and myrrh and boiled again until all the watery part had evaporated. This was the work of the perfumer or the ointment maker. So the process of mixing the ingredients of this anointing oil, these four spices with the oil, it, it's still a secret. You know, I know you can go down to the to the Bible bookstore or someplace that sells religious things and you can buy this little bottle of anointing oil and it says, well, you know, it's made right after, has all the things in it that the original anointing oil had. Well, that's all well and good. But, you know, um, when you take 75 pounds of, or 60 to 75 pounds of uh, spices and oil and you, you, you get a big gob and it comes out, as the Bible says, it flowed, it flowed. So it was an anointing oil that was poured upon the individuals and the things that it was dedicating. And so, you know, there was a secret to the anointing of how God can take these compounds and he can take a human vessel with all of their flaws and all of their shortcomings and their failures 
and yet use these very things in making one fruitful in the ministry with the anointing of God pouring forth on her life. That that is a only a, that's a God move. That's not a human move. That's a God move that can take humanity with all of our frailties and uh, uh, Amen. Uh, take us through things and work in us and develop attitudes in us and and uh, produce Amen an anointing in our life. That takes a work of God. That takes a work of God. That's not something that we can all just say, oh, we understand every little bit of that. Well, I don't understand every little bit of it. I just know that I believe what the Word of God tells me, and I, I study the Word of God, and I practice what the Bible says. And this one thing I do, I have found that what God declares and what He says, amen, it works and it flows in our life. Amen. So today, consider, consider myrrh, bitter experiences. Consider that they have value, great value, and uh, don't waste them, don't throw them away.